We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. It's another floating Indiana again? Well, they're not. The Bears are not. There has been a bill put forth. Representative Earl Harris Jr. of East Chicago recently filed legislation at the Indiana House to establish a 19-member Northwest Indiana Professional Sports Development Commission tasked with studying the possibility of attracting professional sports teams to the region. So they're creating a commission to possibly attract something. I hereby petition you for an emergency sort and file under Regulation 2.8. Don't quote me, Regulations. I co-chaired the committee that reviewed the recommendation to revise the color of the book that regulation's in. The region is in, baby. They got casinos over there. There's an airport that nobody uses. There's another longstanding geographical NFL rule about proximity to Diana. Oh. And they have to make sure that they're not running afoul of NFL rules because it depends where Diana is at any given time. Build it by the Haw Estate. Appreciate the love, big homie. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Happy Friday! We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are Bernstein and Holmes. And we are going to talk a lot of football today because many people believe that this is the best NFL weekend, not championship weekend. I'm a firm believer that championship Sunday is the best day in the NFL calendar. Not Super Bowl Sunday, not Super Wild Card weekend, but the divisional round just because of the amount and the significance of the football on our television. I get it. I'm still a championship Sunday. All the suckers are out. Well, you get all of it. You get you. You can get every championship Sunday next week, and you can enjoy this week. And you don't. Oh, have I, to, I plan on enjoying it. And you don't have to decide which is better until I, after the fact. I've already made up my mind Apparently about so. all of that. Uh, solid open uh, again from an Adam Studzinski. While I have reached big homie status, I don't think it would be appropriate for me to be David Haw's big homie. I don't think so. I don't think that he would fit. And apparently, we're big in North Judson. Heard that? Shout out to North Judson. We appreciate the support. Yeah, we'll get you your NFL team. We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to put a group together. We'll, we'll, we'll bring that NFL team there. Forming the committee to form the committee right now. Yeah, we'll bring oh, yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars to North Judson. No, they're going to London. Damn it. So we're going to talk to Carmen Vitale of Fox Sports at 11. She covers the NFC North specifically for them. And the NFC North has got a couple of teams still extant. High noon, 1140. Kevin Fishbane at noon. Plenty of discussion regarding the Sox Stadium, including an appearance here by Lee Bay, the architecture critic of the Chicago Sun-Times at 1240. It's really captured people's imagination a little bit more than I was expecting. The reason I was late to our meeting is that I ran into Rob Hart in the hallway. And Long-time we, Sox guy. We spent like 10 minutes talking about the possibilities of it. And if he's in on it, like Rob, Rob is like one of the most level-headed Sox fans that I know. 
And he's like, you know, I, I think this would be good. He kind of walked me through how they're going to try and package this, where they're going to ask for our money, but they're not going to say that explicitly and how you can build it into, well, it's become an entertainment district. And then we started talking about, is there enough room for the ballpark, let alone an entertainment district? Well, it's interesting that know. you say, because I had an elevator ride with one of Rob Hart's WBBM colleagues yesterday who asked me, can you tell me that this isn't real, that that they're not going to try to squeeze this into my neighborhood where we already have terrible traffic problems? Yeah. I said, I think it is real. And he said, well, there's no room. He said that you can't put it there. That's what I was trying to say yesterday, that it's it's difficult. But we'll, we got a whole segment. We're going, actually two. And having Lee Bay on, Lee will be able to give us a better idea of the amount of room that there is over there to build a place like that. 312-644-6767. That is our number at WSCR The Score. We have Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka, and we had some people on the station yesterday talking about the news that the Bears were going to be interviewing Cliff Kingsbury. I guess that is actually taking place right now in L.A. So they went Good out choice. there. Yeah. It's a good choice by the Bears. Why don't we go where it's 70 and sunny today and we can talk with Cliff Kingsbury, who I'm sure has an awesome place there, too. So do you want to I I think we're better off starting with level headed opinion and then moving into the less level headed, the the more sort of off the cuff opinion. Sure. Opinion. Well, Well, who's level headed in this this case? So who's who's bringing us the level headedness? Peter King. Okay, great. Want to start with Peter King? Yeah, let's do that. All right, this is him on the idea of Cliff Kingsbury joining the Bears as offensive coordinator. I think he definitely can be an offensive coordinator. I remember this very, very well. When he first took the job in Arizona, I mean, this was, this was, I, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, his, his sort of, he told me right away when he took this job, and I asked him about the offense he was going to run. He just, and he said, just watch. You are going to see that we are going to prioritize running the football. And I thought to myself, okay, yeah, sure, right, whatever. And I really wasn't buying it, but especially because they were an awful running team when he got the job. And so they absolutely prioritize the run. And I think I'm right in saying in 2019, which is his first year, they had the best yards per carry in the NFL at like five yards a carry. The next year they were at four, seven. And his whole point was, we are always going to prioritize the run because that makes life so easy, relatively speaking, for a quarterback. So if he gets this job, I'm just telling you right now, if he gets this job, you're going to have some happy running backs with the Chicago Bears because it isn't always going to be about running the football. And like if if I were looking at this job in Chicago, I would say, hey, look, you know, the Bears traditionally want to be a running team. And obviously, a lot of it has been Justin Fields the last couple of years. But they will find a way, whether it's 
Herbert Foreman, who, whoever, whoever is, you know, is going to be the back next year. I would think they're going to upgrade in the backfield, but they will run the ball if it's Cliff Kingsbury very well. To add a little bit of context to it, because you hear that and you hear how the running game was so significant, you have to remember Kyler Murray accounted for more than 500 of those rushing yards that they had. But I think that it does show someone who understands that there is how to use a quarterback who has that in their arsenal. Murray, by the way, threw for 3,700 yards, 3,800 yards in that season. So that's a lot of production from your quarterback spot. I don't think that that's, I think that's probably about where you want your quarterback as far as rushing yards goes. Somewhere between like 500 and 750. If you've got a a mobile guy, that to me is a good balance for what you're asking the quarterback to do. Our friend and friend of the show, Kalen Kaler, asked a really important question though. And it's one that I imagine that you, you would love to answer. If you're interviewing Cliff Kingsbury and you know that you're going to, not that the Bears know this yet, but if you know that you're going to draft Caleb Williams, why isn't Cliff Kingsbury interviewing for your head coaching job? Hello. That's why the the moment they decided to do this, and I was even, I was more optimistic than Jason Leisure was when we started talking about where they decided to place the dividing line between the head coach candidate offensive guys and the non-head coach candidate offensive guys. I said, maybe you're, you know, I, I said second tier. Where Leisure was like, no, 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 third tier. You're crossing off 15 or 20 at that point. I didn't think it was that many. What did we, I think we we settled at like 12 that you weren't going to be able to talk to where no one, that the, the real visionaries or potential visionaries just aren't going to give you the time of day because your job's not open. And I don't know where Kingsbury would fall. High on, on, on the list of like vision. Like what I love about Kingsbury is that he's got, he's got space in a bunch of different offenses. Mm-hmm. Like when you looked at some of the Texas tech, like pure air raid type stuff. And then you say, well, what do you learn from working with a guy like Lincoln Riley and what were the add-ons to, because all of the guys, when you first, and I did this in like to a deep dive into air raid. Mm -hmm. If I were coaching a high school team, it's the offense that I would run. And when you first see it, you're like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Here's how we're going to use the pass game as a run game. We're going to attack blades of grass, all of that stuff. But almost everyone that's indoctrinated into air, like pure how mummy, air raid stuff, then they start to go, well, wait a minute. I can add pieces and build kind of a run game component to it with some of the spread out measures of an air raid offense. And I think that Kingsbury has done that. I love diversified coaches. I love guys that have spent time in multiple systems and are like, I'm going to pluck this from West Coast. I'm going to use this from air raid. Like whatever it is that you want to do, I'm going to use some some old wing T stuff to throw in there too, just to 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 make it fun and interesting for the quarterback. So he was high on my original list of people that I'd want to talk to, but this is a charming person with NFL head coaching experience that clearly 
wants to be a head coach again. I don't know where Frank Reich is at. Frank Reich might be at the point where he's like, you know what I'm really good at? Devising offenses. And if another another opportunity comes my way a couple years down the line, fine. Cliff Kingsbury is like, I'm a really good coach. I'm so good that I took some time and just left for a while. And this opportunity is going to give me full autonomy over a side of the ball on which the head coach is not really concentrating. Yep. So, he to me, he's a really intriguing candidate. But how comfortable and how confident is your head coach to let him in the building? And Maybe it's not his call. It might not be his call, but if it's not his call, then he shouldn't. Yes, that's why they already screwed it well, up. It, but do they, we they, know if do we know if Kingsbury wants to be a head coach again? I'm sure he does. He's a coach. But I just mid mid forties guy. He definitely wants kidding? to still be. Yeah, I don't he, think any of these guys I are just, doing it just, just to be coordinators. He remembers that house. <laughs> yeah, he, he still has the house. I'm sure. Still has, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own perspective. Like if I were him after the what he had to deal with in Arizona, I'd be like that. Nah. <laughs> no, these but coaches, I know I know these guys have egos. I know they're coaches. They're coaches. So yeah, I think he does. It the overall dynamics of it just show how bears it is. The guy that is most intriguing now becomes uh, apparently less likely based on their tendencies because of how they've done what they do in layering this and mismanaging it, rather than clearing it out and starting fresh with everything aligned. They still don't get that. And that's why in the last quarter century, they've only had two offensive coordinators last more than two years. Because this is what they do. Is it fair of us to already make Cliff Kingsbury the backup quarterback? Are we going to be doing that every week? Like it let's let's not yet. Let's see okay. what happens. All right. Let's, let's let's see what happens. Let's see what they say. If and, it is, if it is Flucy's call. And he hires him. I think that that shows a level of maturity and courage. Shows a lot of courage to bring that guy into your building. Shows, uh, that's that's the point. And maybe that was what informed Dave Wanstead's reaction yeah. when the name came up. He also did, like when I was listening to it, it felt like Dave was like, "Don't let dude in the building." That's what it sounded like to me. So you, you can be the judge when we come back on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Midday's 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. Then comes Cliff Kingsbury. What does Cliff do for that room in particular and for the offense in that analyst role? He does a lot. I mean, first I point to just for the entire team. I mean, a guy that's been a head coach at both of the collegiate and the professional levels uh, has had to, to make those decisions and sit in that chair. And so he's been extremely helpful for me and I think other members of our staff with, with his experience level. Uh, yeah, and it certainly adds a lot to the offensive room. You know, we've got a lot of really good coaches and I think really good minds in that room. And, and he's, he's certainly added 
to it um, and just to have that resource for uh, for game planning, for, for how we design practice, uh, for on the down to, you know, what we do an individual that day with the quarterbacks. It, it's great to have somebody of his experience and he certainly you know, made us better and look forward to going through this year with him. Lincoln Riley talking about his assistant, Cliff Kingsbury, who is interviewing today for the vacant Bears offensive coordinator job. And you heard Peter King describe why he thought it would be a really good hire. Well, also on the afternoon show yesterday with Parkins and Spiegel, a very relaxed Dave Wanstead was on. And for him, not so much. Bears just keep. There, there must be Rolodex and uh, hiring an, uh, interviewing uh, Cliff Kingsbury, another offensive coordinator. He'll never run the ball. Uh, <laughs> I like Cliff. He's a good guy, but he, you know, good. That'd be worst mistake Flus could make. Now, if they're going to hire him as quarterback coach, it might be good and draft Caleb Williams. That all makes sense. But yeah, he, he's, he, he just, he, he no. The worst mistake Flus could make. He'll never run the ball. But but you that's know that's not true. He will run the ball, and there is mystery. And, and Speaks pushed back on that. And yeah, later in the interview, it was it was a of a, a, a wide ranging interview. And later, Speaks is like, hold on, Dave. Here's the numbers, and and kind of derisively and defensively, I thought, when he just said, "Oh, okay, Speaks, I'll you change my mind. I guess I'll hire him then." Go ahead, hire him. But the that was the that was the insecure coach that I heard. I like Cliff. He's a good guy. It, it, it felt like don't However. let dude in the room because <laughs> right. dude's he, gonna take your job. Uh-huh. That's that's what it felt like when I was listening. Like if Dave could give Eberflus some advice and be, hey, hey, not him, Matt, Matt, no, don't do it. <laughs> but but let me just say that that for me. And I know that I'm I'm a little bit on an island on this. I want the coordinator who's good enough to get a head coaching Look, job. How many? We can't be both things here. We can't be. Remember, it's like, well, they, we know they got to fire Flus, they, but they can't. They can't. They can't because why? They have nobody with that is yes. that they feel is capable of possibly stepping into the job without people around the league laughing. I want a coordinator that's so good that he will get offers. You want a whole staff of, of good. Yes. They're good. It means your coaches are good. Correct. That'd be and, worst mistake Flus could make. Now, and but, ideally, if you have someone who's that good, they are working with a positional coach that will eventually be in a position to be that. You go back to looking at that Washington staff that birthed all these coaches that are in the league right now. That's what you want. You want a competitive environment of coaches that are working hard to get to whatever they think the next level of coaching is. And it's not necessarily all consensus and, yes. and seashells and balloons that you have some you, you team can of have, rival stuff. Right. You can have some heated conversations about the way, the best way to run the football team with Matt Eberflus making the final decision on some of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that the room has to be everything is great. You know, every, everyone is in sync, in lockstep. No. 
he, here's where we can get better. Yeah, but that's why Dave earlier in this week he said that their litmus test with Jimmy was, you know, is he part of the family? Does do do we know him and trust him for just that reason? Like they were they were super defensive and protective of of the regime and of the kingdom, and they didn't want any bad actors who they didn't know well. I, I loved later on when they went through the full list of names. <laughs> And this is remember. This is Dave wants that. Who knows everybody? everybody? He knows everyone. And they they read him some of the names of their interview, and he clearly had never heard of a couple of them. Like, sure. And then he's like, "No, I don't know him. I don't know him. Uh, I met him." And then and then at the end, the the perfunctory. I'm sure they're all great coaches. Why? I'm not. Well, he's he, he likes coaches. I know. Coaches love coaches. And you say, I'm sure they're all great coaches. I, half of them are probably terrible. I, mean, I like Cliff. He's a good guy. Yeah, but you don't. It's a, the biggest mistake Flus could make. Text there. That'd be worst mistake Flus could make. 309 Texas says, you mean have a succession plan? What a novel idea. No, that's mm-hmm. not what I mean. What I mean is that you have coaches that are so good that things are going so well for your team that people want your coaches to be their head coach, like what's going on in Detroit. And what I want is a head coach who is comfortable in if we lose Ben Johnson, I will find another coach. That you don't have, you shouldn't feel like you, oh, well, we can't let. Coach X go because they're qualified to be a head coach. Well, if everything went well and the team is doing well, you will still have your head coach. And the hope is that that person is qualified to make strong hires. But then you're back to your initial point when we were debating all of this. You wanted polls to step in and Bigfoot Eberflus when it came to some of the hiring. Yes! So it may not necessarily show that Eberflus is secure. It may be, it pulls us like, hey, here's what we're doing. Look, you kept your job, but. How he reacts to it will show me if he's secure. And, I, and, and him not like having a fit about it publicly and figuring out a way to That's make it work. That's not his style. I, uh, he's not, he's I not agree that he, he would not. That's the thing. I think Matt Eberflus is an adult. And that's, you know, that's something. He's also not a polished politician. Either. So it does get different. So says two, two, four texture. Please tell me you got to the interview and Dave comes full circle. Yes. When they got to the end of it, they brought his name up again, and he was presented with the stats about running the football. It's like, oh, fine, okay, you convinced me. I just think he was bored <laughs> or tired of the conversation. I, I, I think that, look. He'll never run the ball. Look, this is what I was talking about with Kingsbury. The air raid, anyone who is connected to air raid, there's this thought of they don't want to run the ball. And if you're talking about pure air raid, like Y cross, like all of this stuff, yeah. Like like Art Brile stuff, right? Yeah, like How Mummy. Like the stuff that How Mummy was doing at Kentucky. Mike Leach. Like Yeah, it, it was it was another way. Well, we, we used to call it the spread. 
And this was just the latest iteration of what initially was referred to as spread offense. But anyone who came up in these systems, they all have like kind of added a little sprinkle into the recipe of what Air Raid is. And then you look at Cliff Kingsbury, he was doing some gap run stuff. So he's he's at it from every place that he's been. I like that. But there there is still like it's kind of looked down upon. If if you're a guy like Dave Wanstead, when Dave grew up in the game, this is what if, if you love the movie Varsity Blues, this is an oop de oop offense. This is this is BS. This is basketball on grass. You remember the run and shoot and how yes. it was the same thing. It's like, well, what are they doing out there? There's all this gimmicky stuff. It doesn't win anything. You can't spend the entire time out of shotgun with four wide and, and one back. That's what we're talking about. But everyone out of like the Mike Leach tree, all of those guys took the, the concept and they took the concept and they said, okay. We're going to need to run the ball. And there are runs inside of even pure air raid. There there are actually some fun runs out of pure air raid. But with the the hybridization, I just made that word up. They didn't. It's a a word. It is? Hybridization? Hybridization of defensive players. No, that's a term. Now that we've got linebackers that look like safeties and can run like safeties over the last 15 years. You, you have to make some adjustments. And the adjustment back is, oh, okay, so now they got all these fast guys out there that are weighing 220 pounds. Now we're going to run power at them. We're going to run, like, power gap scheme stuff at them. Not to mention, you got Cole Komet on your team. You've got, yep. a, you've got a wide tight end. You have a, a, a very good up-and-coming wide tight end. They're going to find a way to use him. I don't think he's going to come in like Mike Martz and get rid of Greg Olson and bring in Brandon Manumaliuna. I that's he's he's here. Like this is this is a cornerstone piece, and your pure air raid base wouldn't have a spot for him. Texter's right. Todd Munkin is is an air raid disciple, yep. and his team runs the ball thirty times a game. Like it's just I I do think that there's some reflexive like bias with Dave. Like Dave sees that offense and he's like, that's some BS. That's that's gimmicky. It's cartoon offense. They don't run the ball. You got to run the ball in the NFL. And it, like every other offensive system, has evolved. And that's what I like about it. Like, that's I'm I guess I should just go and get air raid certified because I'm in love with that offense and that style. But you gotta have a counter. Off of it, too. And that's why I like Kingsbury. Because I think that he's figured out, especially with a running quarterback, with a quarterback that can run a little bit, he's figured out how to find those rush yards. Next up, let's talk about what that Bulls game was last night. Oh, okay. They won, but it wasn't great. It was not exactly a well-played game. Two good teams slugging it out. But, man, they... Boy, do they love themselves some Vince Carter up there in Toronto. He As they is, should. And is, Chuck. They do love Chuck. They, they He's... he's. I want to talk about that a little bit because I, I spent a big portion of the game listening to the game last night. And, like, the outpouring of affection for Chuck Swirsky was, was evident. Yeah, it's like Jerry Lewis in Paris. Yep. It's crazy. 
We'll get to that next on The Score. That'd be worst mistake Flus could make. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station, 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 Station. Profit thing. Hey guys, I know we got the Bulls and I know we got the Bulls and the Raptors, but watch anyway. <laughs> On TNT. Yeah, he went wrong. That was not exactly an aesthetic delight watching. But the, it was competitive, though. It so. was competitive, but not in a not in a real good way because that team without Jakob Pertl is. Just, they just went small and fast. That was a game you could not play Andre Drummond. They tried, and you saw that. You're like, he get him, get him back over to the bench and have him put his sweats on for the remainder of the game. It, it's also a Raptors team at this point has been stripped down. You know, you're you're missing some very important pieces of good. Yeah, there. You, you just treated Siakam and Ananobi. Yes, I mean you got some guys back, but they're not those guys. Correct. And it's a win for the Bulls as they continue to climb inside of the uh, the the play-in tournament. There are the Bulls, and I think Zach Levine's okay. I said, "Oh no, Zach Levine is hurt. He can't come back in the game. What are the Bulls possibly going to do without their max player?" And then Kobe White was free to take over and be the guy and make the plays. Yep, and he did that last night. And the texter's right. Swirsky got a shout-out on the TV broadcast. I'm not surprised. So, last night, I was at Bevda with Remy Martin. It was great. Shout-out to everyone. Like, you talk about, like, a family reunion. I saw people who were like, hey, I know, like, my first girlfriend at HF. Like, hey, I I was at high school at Harlan with your mom and blah, blah, blah. Or my, my, my mom knows your mom from high school. And it was really great. The people were great. Remy Martin was great. And I'm sitting there, and it's one of those things where you know how we have an appearance, and it's from this time to this time. And I looked up. I was having such a great time. that I was like, oh, the appearance. Like, they started busting down the appearance, and I was still talking to people about a lot of Justin Fields love out there. A lot of people don't want him traded from my interactions with the folks in Lansing last night. So I had a, I'm like, man, I got to go. I got to go back and watch the Bulls game. So I get in the car, and I'm listening to the game, listening to Chuck and Bill, or Charlie and Bill, as Bill said last night. I don't know if we've spent enough time talking about how big a deal Chuck Swirsky is in Toronto. Because the folks there, like, he is revered. And they were talking about it in conjunction with Vince Carter being on the call on TNT. And we know there's a whole documentary on what Vince Carter did for basketball in Canada. But hearing people say about Chuck, the, the, a lot of the NBA, Canadian NBA players love Chuck because they grew up listening to Chuck call Vince Carter games. So getting that perspective on Chuck's career, like that, that, that lost time when he was in Canada, was really, really cool to hear how he's respected there, and he you know, can kind of do whatever he He's like the mayor of Toronto. Well, that's why it was recognized on TNT. Chuck Swirsky did, Chuck uh, beat us to it, he did say <laughs> that uh, he, he gave you the nickname Air Canada. Chuck Swirsky, Ooh. now the radio voice of the Bulls, but he spent 10 years as the voice of the yes. Raptors. He's, here. he's the one who unveiled that nickname. Mm. I don't know if that's true or not, but he's a great man, and he wouldn't. 
He he's had some pretty darn good calls over the years that, you know, you go back and look at some of the highlights and you actually go and listen to Chuck. And it's, it's been very entertaining. Yes, he, he's, he's feisty. <laughs> we love Chuck. That's quite the shout out from Vince Carter himself. That if you go look at my highlights, you're going to hear Chuck Swirsky going crazy. I wonder if he's eating real. Oh, well, I don't know about that. We'd have to go back and look. But it it's nice when you, it's kind of like when people who talk to me about you actually like you. <laughs> actually. Because <laughs> you know. there was some of that last night, too. Uh-huh. You know, it, the, the community came out last night I see. to see me in Lansing. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, hey, so what's up with Bernstein? And then some people were like, oh, I love him. Some some of the community knows. Yes. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. But that's how I felt like I was kind of smiling as, as I was driving back because Chuck is out here getting his flowers in Toronto. And I thought that was cool. Like, I, I thought that was a, a really cool thing. And then to be sitting there with Canadian Hall of Famer Bill Winnington. That's right. He is one of the all-time great Canadian basketball players, and, isn't he? And Bill was talking about – Chuck had made, a, made mention of how when Bill would come play in Toronto, there was hardly anyone at the games. Like, basketball still hadn't exploded. But once Vince Carter got there, it became a thing. And and I, he, he did give him the name Air Canada. Well, truth be told – He didn't? I remember this. He he did, but I Bulls fans will remember that Wennington had a couple of dunks when he was a, in in his spry youth, and the Air Canada thing was mentioned like that. That was right because of Air Jordan. Yeah, that but, was. But that, that was meant. It was sarc- kind of like we sure. call White Mamba, right? Not, exactly. It's, but but that phrase was used about Wennington here. I remember it vividly. Well, we we used to call him Beef Wennington. I didn't like that sandwich. What was the beef winning tonight? I forgot what not was as even bad on as the, it. Not as bad as the McJordan, which was inedible. Okay, so not, but you got to tell me because I remember the beef Winnington, but I never okay. ordered it. The, what was it? Uh, it was, I just remember. It featured a single beef patty topped with cheese, onions, barbecue sauce, and a slice of Canadian bacon in honor of Bill's Canadian heritage. I'd try it. Yeah, I did. So what was the McJordan? Because I don't remember the McJordan. It's like bacon, barbecue sauce. Of course. Because he's a Bama. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The McJordan was a quarter pound patty with American cheese, circular bacon. So that's the same thing. Mustard, pickles, onions, and specially made barbecue sauce. It was way too sweet. See, the Wennington didn't get those mustard, uh, pickles, and onions. Yeah, the idea of like mustard and barbecue sauce and, it's a lot and, going and, on. And it was a really, I like that combination. It was a really sweet corn syrupy barbecue oh, sauce. Isn't everything? No, not not the good stuff. You got to look at the back. If there's high fructose corn syrup in your barbecue sauce, don't buy it. I agree. If it's it's kind of hard to get away from it in almost anything. I understand, but read the ingredients. Actually, Kraft just reformulated some of theirs. The actual inexpensive Kraft Hickory Smoke, it's like $1.99. It's really good. Someone said, and Maker's Mark for the McJordan. 
No, it's the very expensive no. tequila. It's, it's, it's the Añejo it's a tequila. It's $1,400 a bottle tequila that he's drinking. Now we're talking. If they got that at McDonald's, I'd make, put that in the McJordan. I know that you mentioned Shree. Do yeah. You, I, I feel like you weren't giving yourself quite enough credit because I th- feel like you're the type of person that could tell the difference between. I can tell. Look, look, it's the same with wine. I can tell the difference between a $20 bottle and a $5 bottle. I don't know that I could tell you the difference between a $20 bottle and a 50. Mm. You know, like when you start getting, and that's the same way with some of these whiskeys, where if he, he handed me one that was like some secret locked away with a key, you needed the, like they had to scan your retina to be able to get <laughs> to this thing. And it was in a, it, this was the party he invited me to where, where five or six billionaires flew themselves in privately just to sample some of these. I mean, Indian billionaires were in from all over the world. It would be crazy night. I'm looking around like, oh my God. And I tried that whiskey. And if he, that was like, is it like $13,000? No, it was like 20, the bottle was like $25,000. Good God. And it was amazing. But I had also tried the $500 bottle. And I can't tell you I could discern. Both were amazing. Both, all right. Both were off the charts, molten gold. But the diff, like I, the subtlety of the differences, I don't know that I have in, in, in refined enough palate to be able to discern. Shree, it seems like the Bernstein Home Show might need an on-air tasting to try and figure some of these things out. And considering that Edrington and McAllen are a charitable enterprise, I'm sure we could find a way to make that happen. Yes. Carmen Vitali is going to talk to us about taking the NFC North and never giving it back and how hard that is next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 